2: Tage turns, faces the goal, holds the shot. Pass from the goal
1: line out into the bumper spot, ripped off, and then back to Alex Tuck, and he scores.
0: In the slot, Alex Tuck. Back out to center ice. Quickly ahead to Tage Thompson. Thompson fires a shot, scores! <laughs> oh. Tie game, 2-2 as Tage Thompson let it rip. With 8.27 to go here in the third period, it's a power play goal. Right now Rasmus Dahling, Middlestat. Greenway
3: is in front, trying to take the eyes away. Middlestat sees that, pass across, they score! Rasmus Dahling goes to the far post
1: and in overtime, the Buffalo Sabres win it in Tampa 3-2. That's a great, great win, great gut check down going into the third to battle like that and to stay on it the whole f-ing game. A hell of a job in this stretch and a great finish to that game. Hell of a job. Uh, great win. Be a great job. <laughs> 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 uh, Ellie.
0: Wizard All right, bad audio there from Rasmus, at least in my ears. Sorry about that. d to d with the Sabre presentation at uh, the end of last night's game. We're off to a flying start here on Sabres Live. It was a win against the Lightning in overtime last night.
3: Yeah, it was a, a really nice win, I thought, with a lot of Sabres fans in the building on the, uh, you know, the day after a Sabres road Crew I was so successful And uh, we had a great location. We don't travel a whole lot, but because of the road crew, we ended up uh, right at ice level in the corner. And uh, it was, uh, I I enjoyed myself last night. Other than the fact that it was a little cold and I had to loan you my jacket, Duffer, and I'm happy that you made it, kept it warm because when I got to Buffalo, it was a little (laughs) chillier. So I had to put it on. But uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, um, a a fun experience for a lot of Sabres fans and uh, for us uh, to be there last night.
0: Sabres have won three times this year when trailing after two yeah. um, other than the actual points, like what's the takeaway for you last night? It was an incredibly low chance game. Um, we are in a window maybe of that uh, being the common thread for most of these games right now. Um, what the, uh, you know, there were tweaks within the game. So kind of like what's your takeaway of it?
3: Well, that's the takeaway for me is that Jordan Greenway was elevated to the Thompson and tuck line and it happened really early in the first period. The first thing I looked last night is because when Tampa plays 11 Fords and seven defensemen, it's part because of their roster and the way that they, you know, they're always tight to the cap and they have injuries and all of it. And two is when they're not doing so well, John Cooper likes to say, hey, we're going to go 11 forwards. We're going to play Kucherov a lot. We're going to play point a lot. We're going to mm-hmm. double shift them. We're going to get ourselves in better matchups. So the first thing I did is I looked for the matchups. And Dalene started the game, so they kept Kucherov and point off the ice. As soon as Dalene came off the ice, Don Granado puts the Thompson line with Tuck and Skinner. You saw Kucherov and Point jump over the board and they're like, hey, that's the matchup we want. We want to stay away from Deline, and we want to go against the Thompson line. And on the very next shift, Don Granato was like, I don't like this matchup. I don't like what this is going to, you know, where it's going to put us. I'm going to try something. I'm going to put Jordan Greenway with Thompson and Tuck and I'm going to put Skinner with Middlestat and Oposo and maybe have a better matchup when it looks to trying to counter Kucherov and And not only did it work on the defensive side of the game, I thought Jordan Greenway had some of the best looks in the game uh, and was a, a very impactful player in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the whole game. So I thought that was a really solid early adjustment by Don Granado that paid dividends throughout the game.
0: There were certain forwards they didn't use much in the third period, even though the ice time ended up kind of balanced. I mean, when... So it lessened Skinner's impact, seemingly, in the game. Um, So, how do you view this moving forward?
3: Well, I mean, number one tells me that look, they're fighting, right? They're ten points back of the Tampa Bay Lightning, so they're fighting. So even if it's five minutes into the game, it's hey, you know what? I, I sometimes you got to go on gut feeling, sometimes you got to go on data, but right now you got to use whatever you can. Um, And yeah, I mean, we know that uh, you know Jeff Skinner. As I, I we talked about it a few times, you asked me the question about Skinner about a week ago, and I said he doesn't look like himself on the ice, despite the fact that then he went into Montreal and scored and has done better, but he had to get imaging before flying out to Florida on mm-hmm. Monday. And, you know, maybe he's not 100% himself in the grand scheme of things. And yeah. you got to adjust. You got to adjust on the fly here. You know, when I look at the numbers at the end of the game, according to moneypuck.com, the Sabres... Best offensive threat in the game was stage Thompson. And we know that Tage had the, the great power play goal, which was just on the rush, a, a Tage Thompson type goal. A mm-hmm. really good shot beats an all world goaltender over the shoulder, a little bit of a moving screen, but a really, really good shot. He was number one. Number two, it was Rasmus Dalin. When you look at the offensive expectations at the end of the night, Rasmus Dalin created a lot of offense and was in on a lot of offensive plays. And, you know, that's what you expect. Number three, it was Jordan Greenway. Just talked about it. Then it was Alex Tuck. Then it was Dylan Cousins. And then everybody else after that kind of just blend in. Very Numbers are not that high because I don't think the Sabres had a lot of chances. But that's the way it should be. That's the way the Sabres will win games. You have Thompson. You have Darlene. You have Tuck. You have Cousins. Now you slide in Greenway. But that's really their identity. Now, the numbers were not super high. Especially at five on five, but that's still the, the, your key guys that are providing the offense that you need.
0: Then think you've lost me here. What what is their identity now? It's a low scoring team.
3: Uh, no, my their identity is that at the end of I the mean, night. I mean, it's true
0: because they're obviously where yeah, they are. Yeah, but despite the fact
3: that it's the expectations and the goals expectation at the end of the night are not high. It's the main guys that you would expect would at least provide the offense. Mm -hmm. Like you didn't go into this game last night saying, hey, you know, despite the fact that the goals expectation were not really high, we we had great numbers by Zach Benson and JJ Piterko and Casey Middlestad, right? Like that's not how I think the Sabres eventually get to their winning ways. I think they get to their winning ways by saying they did it off Tage Thompson, Darlene, Tuck, you know Dylan Cousins, that's what it is. And if Benson and Paterka are, are going to be getting good numbers, then it's that secondary scoring. But I still think that at times this year it was flipped, right? It was like, okay, we're getting great numbers from Middlestadt and Paterka and and Benson, but we're not getting anything from Cousins, Thompson, Tuck. So that's more the way that it's going to uh, yield results.
0: Right, but the goal should be. To have more than one line contributing and were not there, right? Because it was Paterka before and it was really only Thompson, Tuck, Greenway last night, save for a power play opportunity in overtime. The Natural Statrics said they had only two chances at five on five in the course of the game. That's almost impossible against a team that's not very good right now. The Lightning have lost five out of seven and yeah. only have 11 forwards, which is why you would think that it's a game where you could get more impact
3: from your third and fourth lines. Yeah, and, and look, I, and, don't know. And I think the Lightning, because of the way that they um, have struggled uh, of late, um, they what every team does when they're struggling is always saying, Let's focus on the defensive side of the game. Let's have Victor Henman out there as much as we can, and try to get him to to suffocate the offense. Right? I think that's what the Lightning have been trying to do. They don't have the personnel they used to, so they try to play a better defensive defensive game. But at the same time, um, you look at all the games that the Sabers have played of late. Um, you know, after the four nothing loss to Florida, which was really a two nothing loss to Florida, it's been. 32433232213232 that's these are tight games and they've been on the better side of tight games number 1 because of Ukopeka Lukanen. let's not mm-hmm. forget about that and last night it was still very very good despite the low number of chances on both sides but he was really really good um so you're putting that in 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 the bank you say okay he's doing his job but you still have to have the what is are supposed to be your main guys at least have that that better contribution it's still not where it was last year but i think it's been better in the last few games where they've been more active i talked about in pregame about Tage thompson he seems to attack the net a little bit, bit more there's a little bit more jump is it fully there yet no but 30 goals as you mentioned is very much in the possibility here and if he got to 30 this yeah, after Really not being himself for half a year, I think it's still really good. It's not 47, but it's still really good.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's going to take an enormous push from at least one of these top players to allow them to go 18 and four, which is what I still continue to believe is going to be necessary to assure themselves of a playoff spot. Um, you can look at that a couple of ways, just go eight and two and eight and two. And then all of a sudden you've got two games left in the sunshine state. Like we just saw, and they would have to win both. Um, yeah. that's you could at the also... end of
3: the year, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so I but... said
3: last night when we, um, when we were coming back with the team, I'm like, well, I mean, if they don't let us on the plane, we'll stay here until the last game of the year, Duffer. We'll have an extended vacation in Florida. That's fine. We don't have to come back to Buffalo just yet. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't want to divulge my plans after those Florida games, but uh, I won't be with you. So, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's, um, it's Lukanen, like you say, 17 of the last 19 um, in that stretch of games, which, which is an awful lot to, of starts. Um, he's got 10 wins, which is one off the league lead in that stretch. Uh, he's got the best goals against and save percentage in that stretch among anybody that's played, you know, a higher number of games. Um and it's funny like you you kind of look at mm, frustration I think a little bit on that first goal like just how he knew he was unfortunate with yep. how the how the puck kind of squirted to Braden Point you know you you would know what the goalie was thinking or attempting to read on a play like this you always have to factor in it's Braden Point he's going to He's gonna beat most goalies when he has a chance for a split second of creativity. But just the cutaway of Lukanen after that I saw, you know, there was this mm, disappointment, but like not, you know, not Ron Hextel disappointment. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like, uh, wish I could have what? kept it, kept it at zero a little bit longer, but I think that's where Lukanen is not outwardly, <clears throat> you know, a fiery guy, but what they're learning is the consistency and the competitiveness now that then gets
3: rewarded, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But I also think that I paid attention to Lucanin's reaction after that goal because first of all, I'm thinking, and I looked over to you, I said, where's everybody? Right. And I know Dalin made an aggressive play and almost got to it because he got a stick on that pass and it redirected to Point. But I'm thinking, why is the middle of the ice so left open on entry that point can just walk in? And I talked in the pregame yesterday that, yeah, the numbers have been great and Lukanen's played great, but the body language in Lukanen this year, especially since, you know, the holidays, Mm -hmm. has been one of a leader. And at times, he has stared down a couple of guys saying, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like he's given that stare down that I used to see from Henrik Lundqvist a lot or Ryan Miller a lot, like, hey, Mm -hmm. that's not the way that we're going to play. And often it's on him. Like when he's not happy about a goal, Sometimes he slaps his glove or slaps his pads like, oh, I needed to have it. That go by Braden Brayden Point yesterday at a little bit of both because Point comes in so fast that UPL is not expected, expecting him to be like, hey, I'm going to be wide open on entry and I have the time to walk around you. But he had enough time to realize it. So I think that Lucanan had that, oh, like I got caught flat-footed. Mm-hmm. And then after... The, the reaction i looked at him and it was almost like but why was he open and that i i don't mind that as a goaltender because right. you know what it's not always you know the goalie is the last line of defense the whole cliche that but a lot of time it's not on the goalie itself it can be but a lot of time it's not on the goalie and this one i think had a little bit of half and half so he took responsibility in his body language but also i thought that there was a hey Let's be better here because we have Kucherov and Point and Edman and Hegel on the ice on the power play, and we can't leave the white the middle of the ice open like this. So I I thought it was good, and, and the guys that we've talked to now, post game and practice, or you know uh, at the arena for interviews, they all say like they love the confidence that Lukanen is showing, and lo- so often confidence is not just making saves and looking good. Sometimes it's being critical are i our... thought it was just looking good was that
0: i thought it was just looking good
3: no i think a lot of time is like okay <laughs> I didn't hank build his he... career on that well he did yeah. but it uh you know look good feel good play good that's right. that's yeah, one yeah, way yeah, to yeah, look yeah. at it uh and yeah. and lucan and that has that too he has a little swagger in between the the whistles uh, taking mm. his mask off shaking the head mm. put his mask back on like he has that swagger too
0: yeah, and now you're talking about a net miner that's uh, in all likelihood going to hit 50 games on the season before it's all said and done. Right now, he's just outside of the top 10 on the entire year. Yep. From a win standpoint, league-wide, he's 7th in save percentage, 7th in goals against, 4th in shutouts, 1st in penalty minutes still. So, <laughs> you know, like these are, I don't know, I just, I, I, I hope people are are truly recognizing what or who has kept them... In the race, and I know a lot of people don't think they're in the race. Um, th- the beauty of what's in between them and Tampa is teams that have to play each other. They beat themselves up. You hope that it's not, you know, three-point uh, three games along the way. But the reality is, is you're sitting there 10 back at Tampa, two games in hand, and you play them once. So let's keep the approach of like, okay, view it like a four-point deficit and just keep chipping away. The challenge now is you've got four games between now <laughs> And the trade deadline, which yeah. is a week from today, and obviously more with Shana Goldman on that and other great storylines around the NHL, like the teams that are surging and maybe taking themselves out of seller position at the deadline. So who like knows the Nashville how that's Man, oh, man. Hey, uh, they really tuned up on Minnesota last night. That was I
3: once canceled yeah. a trip to a U2 concert. I never won seven in a row after that, though, so... <laughs> That's what they did. I remember one year U2 was at the arena. And, I was going um, to say, was at the Richfield canceled? Coliseum? Like, where, no, where that... did you abandon your U2
0: experience?
3: So. No, it was at the arena. I was here with the Sabres, and um, the babysitter had to cancel last minute um you know and we didn't have anything else so we're like okay unfortunately we're gonna miss you two tonight um the rest of the 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 you know our friends and teammates went but uh, i didn't go on a personal seven game winning streak after that so what tour was it i don't recall what year ish probably okay so jacob was born in four so it had to be like oh five oh six he was probably okay. a couple you'll years you'll get old. an
0: answer very quickly on x as to what album it was i'm black i'm uh, uh, yeah it's a probably wasn't the peak my peak u2 years so i i like but eventually i did get to see them and i i still think they're brilliant but the story like this is becoming a thing of legend the nashville predators losing on home ice nine to two and their vegas plans getting derailed because of that let's say it pathetic effort in
3: front of their home fans and uh and here they are, winners of seven straight. So so quickly on the Nashville Predators yesterday, Duffer, they scored two goals in eight seconds, right? Mm-hmm. And you know the song, the goal song in, in, in Nashville at home I like when it, they I score love it. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Tim McGraw, right? Well, I think that the DJ or Game Press should have just played the whole song because they played the chorus. The fans get into it, stop the music, drop the puck, eight seconds later, yeah, Rero- like repeat. Let's play that same chorus, that same sonic. Like, and he should have just played the whole song throughout the whole thing.
0: <laughs> I feel like we had a lot of those fishing in the dark moments last year with Tage, though, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, it, very, very, very similar in that regard. But uh, yeah, it, the the similarity that I was feeling last night across the league was because in person we were watching Hedman at age 33 having this beautiful season and then watching the Nashville game and Yossi was just spectacular. He's 33 as well. (laughs) They're both at 60 points on the year and it just goes, and you know, it's kind of cool. Like the Sabres game ends with Rasmus Dallin scoring the winner. Right. And you know, Rasmus is in his sixth season and he's 23 not 33 yeah he'll be 24 at the end of the season that's how it always goes he gets that you know that birthday doesn't happen until the end of the regular season yeah and it's like wow like imagine 10 years from now all the numbers and how similar they might end up being and presumably because why would it be any different how impactful he can be from his position on the game. And there have been many incarnations of the Predators over the years. A lot of them low profile, right? Not a lot of super, super, superstar power, Um, but they found a way and it's almost always in the last decade been because of Roman Yossi. And last night was just a perfect example. And I think for Dahlin, you know, we should be focusing on the fact that he's once again tied for the Uh, League-leading goals by defenseman. By the way, there's four of them now. Can you name them?
3: It is Evan Bouchard, Mackenzie Weiger, Rasmus Dahlin, and I am going to... uh, uh, Harley was up there, but I don't think he's there anymore.
0: Are you sure you want to give up on this?
3: I got three out of four. Seventy-five percent works for me. Yeah, but I
0: gave you the three out of four during the pregame last night. But I night.
3: knew damn it. it's and not like I, I didn't know. I know, but
0: see, there was a there was a fourth because of last night that joined Darlene.
3: Because of last night, okay. And
0: we just talked about him.
3: We just talked about him, like on this show right now, like
0: three, like a minute and a half ago. Maybe. Roman Yossi.
3: oh Roman Yossi. yeah obviously <laughs> 33
1: year about. old Roman
3: Yossi is now tied for the league goal scoring leader okay. on defenseman and Dallin has just... matched his career high in goals yes right? 15 yes. last year but he did it in 78 games and mm-hmm. this year he's only missed one game right? Yeah. okay he's at 46 points last year was 73 it was incredible but I you, we talked about Thompson maybe getting to 30 goals and how that would be still a significant achievement. Like it's not 47, it's not 50, but get It'd to be 30. be three straight
0: 30 seasons.
3: That would be that would be like a really good achievement. And mm-hmm. if Darlene continues producing and gets to 22, 25 goals this year and gets to 68, 70 points, I mean, that would still be a really amazing season in that way.
0: Think of how few Sabre defensemen have ever had more than 50 points in a season. If he yeah. continues to trend in the 65 to 75 range on an annual basis, that's the whole point why he was drafted where he was you. Yeah. you, And that's why Yossi is what he is. And that's why Hedman is what he is because for the most part, just like Kopitar, when we talk about it, consistency is the most beautiful thing you can have in sports. A player you can trust year after year is going to be in this range and I, you know, that's why I was really happy that Darlene and he's probably more happy because his good buddy Middlestat was, you know, the primary on the play um, because I think he wants to help elevate Middlestat's numbers as well. Right. Like, I mean, I just think they work so well together and they have such respect for one another. But, yeah, I, I
3: you know, these uh, are
0: things know, that have lacked over the over the course of non playoff years. Right. Well, Is uh, consistency. absolutely. So even like with, with
3: playoff years, like I look back to like people here in Buffalo, love Brian Campbell, Brian Campbell was this offensive juggernaut. Look at the spinoramas. Brian Campbell had 44 points, 48 points and 43 points before going to San Jose. Like he wasn't a 70 point guy. He wasn't a 65 point guy. Mm -hmm. He never even got to 60 point in his career. He got to 52 and then he got to 53 with Florida. Chicago yeah. one year fifty-two, Florida one year fifty-three. Like, but we used to yeah, but also it was a time where the team was good and we celebrated all these achievements and whatever. Imagine if like Dallying had 75 points and it was last year, but playoffs, daline and mm-hmm. physical matchups, like, it's a whole other level here.
0: Yeah. Well, in defense of Campbell, like, what were they going to have? Four defensemen over 70 points in the era of Keith and Seabrook? And, like, you know, wasn't well, like Brian. Chicago, but, yes. Yeah, but that's in Buffalo I mean. is more the thing. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, but it was dead puck-ish era. I mean, it was different. It, w- it was definitely different than, than what it is now. I know Yeah. there were some years that are outliers as far as league production are concerned but like even even coming out in 0506 when everybody started more teams started scoring like the team that won the cup shortly thereafter was the ducks yeah and they they tried to claw the game back in and didn't crush you offensively like what buffalo and carolina were trying to do you know coming out of the work stoppage in 0405 but anyway it is what I it mean,
3: is. I mean, so 0- 06 07, when Brian Campbell had his season of 44 points, I believe 48 points with the mm-hmm. Sabres, he was 18 in defense, scoring in points. Number one was Scott Niedermeyer, Sergey Gonchar, Sheldon Shuri, Dan Boyle. Like, there was some offensive. And what numbers. did they, they have? They, they 69, 67, right. 64, and 63. Right. Like, it's not Eric Carlson 100 points, which is an
0: outlier. Yeah. It,
3: which is an outlier. And we've seen guys at, 80 and 85 or a point a game. It wasn't like that, but I still think that what Dallin is doing is so incredible in the sense that he's, he's everywhere now. And Mm -hmm. you talked about Hedman. We saw him last night and I saw him like on Tage Thompson last night. Like he was not giving Thompson any space and Tage had to work through it. And Yossi is another great example. I mean, that's this some really good uh, career path to follow there.
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, Dalene's OT winner last night, the second such marker of his career. He's got 12 in total game winners, that is, over his uh, career. That has him in the top 10 among NHL defensemen since he entered the league. And thanks to the other Aaron for providing the answer on YouTube, it was the Vertigo Tour that you missed out on. So anyway, we are into the month of March, in case you didn't know. And yesterday, the Sabres handed Tampa their first ever loss when playing on February the 29th. The Lightning had been 3-0 and on that leap day. Um, but now that we're into the month of March, we uh, are looking ahead to St. Patty's Day already. So you can get ready for your favorite St. Patty's Day festivities with a ticket and hat bundle, which you can purchase to the Sabres game March 12th against Detroit, plus a green St. Patty's Day hat, All for as low as $45. Visit sabers.
1: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect, impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medella is your reward. Medella, the
0: mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Com slash bundle to purchase yours today. Shayna Goldman is next on Sabres Live.
1: We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close.
0: A week away from the trade deadline. Shana Goldman in for her weekly appearance here on Sabres Live. Welcome, Shana. Great to have you back with us. Are you excited (laughs) for a week from today?
2: I'm excited for the next week. I'm not excited for a deadline day. Because I'm hoping we get the trend of last year, where we get a week of trades instead of just one day, all the trades throwing up at you at once, and you don't get a like a second to digest them.
0: Right. Well, I mean, at least we got Labushkin out of the way. What's next, Shana?
2: <laughs> yeah. Who will the Leafs overspend on next? And I love, I love this trade. Let me tell you, I love this trade already because I love to see how many people are sitting there defending the Leafs and <laughs> the. Well, they're only paying twenty five percent of Lubushkin's salary, so it's totally fine when it's like, hey, he's one of the worst defensemen in the league. But it worked for <laughs> us last time. Well, okay, that was a couple of years ago.
3: Uh, no, it didn't really work for them last time because they traded him to Arizona, and the pick that they got, they no, they they traded him from anyway. The trade that the pick that was traded in the last Labushkin trade, I still not been picked, and he's back on the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that's a tough one. Uh, I was so happy to have you on the show today because. I want you to tell me, Marty, you were wrong about the Vancouver Canucks. And, Shayna, you can tell me you were right about the Vancouver Canucks because they have been just sputtering out of control since the All-Star break. Um, they acquired Elias Lindholm, Home, and it's like, oh, that's going to be great. They made their move. And not Lit Home fault, but they're 5-6-2 and two in 13 games since. Um, shooting percentage gone down. Demko's goal save above expectation has gone way, way down. Um, will they get back to top team or do they need to make another trade?
2: Nope. This is it. Season's over. Um, (laughs) No, you know what? Every contender we've seen stumble at some point and it's not how you fall. It's how you get back up. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. sure, that's cheesy, but it's, it's the truth. Um, And with the Canucks, you kind of knew that shooting luck and the goaltending was going to run out at some point. And it's interesting where they're faltering and where they aren't because you look at a player like JT Miller, who I've been very critical of, and it's Mm -hmm. not just because of the contract. It's, there's elements to his game the power play scoring, the defense, the I don't want to say like the inability at times to play center. And here it is they bring in a center and he's thriving down the middle of the second line. He's so good defensively. He was on the ice. Goals were 10 and 1 in his favor in the month of February before last night's game. Like wow. everything you could want and more. And it's the other breakdowns, you know, untimely penalties and defensive mistakes and not capitalizing on their chances. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to figure it out. I do think they need to make another move, though. I think they need another right-handed defenseman. And the boldest, spiciest move I kind of want to see happen is they flip Zador off, get some assets back, and then take wow. that for an actual right-handed defenseman. Who? Wow. Well, who's to say? <laughs> There's. It's, it's going to be a weird one this year. The price of centers is sky high. You would think the price of defensemen would match that, and we really don't know. And that's why the Chris Tanev Mm -hmm. trade is so intriguing. Like, that's an underpayment already, right? That was someone we expected to be worth all of that and more. And it feels like everyone thinks that's going to be Noah Hannafin, but it won't be. He has so much control over his future. So when you see the headlines of, like, he's holding the Flames hostage, it's like, well, he earned that no trade clause. And the other part of it is if you're the Flames and you know he might dictate his future, you have to juice the assets on everyone else. So Chris Tanev should have gone at a premium. It didn't. So I wonder if the bar is kind of, like, deflated there. Is Greg Conroy selling
3: too low? Like, does the door of trade that didn't seem like a goddamn, like, a and then the lid home, um, a lot of people thought, well, he didn't really maximize. It was early on. He didn't really maximize his return. Now, Tanev, don't get a first-round pick for Like, is he selling too low as a GM? That's three trades that, that was basically the bottom line.
2: Yeah, and I understand, like, he might feel he doesn't have leverage because everybody knows they want to sell, and, like, these are players who might not want to extend there. But if mm-hmm. you're trading a player early, you're, that team is paying for more games, right? They're getting more bang for their buck that you should up the price. Mm-hmm. And for someone like Lindholm to try to get him out early, if you're the Canucks trading firm, you're thinking we want to do it before the market price is set. We want to set the market price here that if I'm the Flames, I'm, I'm pressuring for more. There's no reason to trade Lindholm early. The only player I could have understood trading early, honestly, is Chris Tanev because of the injury risk. It feels like every... Return so far has been so underwhelming. And now the Hannafin trade, we're all expecting to be underwhelming because they have even less leverage there. Then they might not move Markstrom. That's going to be even more underwhelming. So I felt like this was the opportunity to just, you know, rack in the assets and they're blowing it.
0: Well, that's the thing. If it is underwhelming, then keep them and try to extend them. Um, You've already got Markstrom and you've won four in a row and you're still in the race. Now, unless you think they're not in the race, and if you look at the standings, you could say, well, the four-game win streak hasn't done enough for Calgary. And St. Louis, while they had their hot streak, have regressed of late. Seattle looks good. They've got an excellent tandem now. But the problem with all of this is Nashville and L.A. are two of the hottest teams. And they have almost forced Calgary, St. Louis, Seattle, Minnesota to really reconsider their position here and i'm i'm fascinated by all of the teams in that you know the ones that we thought might sell like nashville and the other teams that are on the outside looking in like who do you view on that list Shana, as like the the likely big player here or the big newsmaker so to speak and and making news could be not doing
2: anything like maybe calgary doesn't do anything i think it's got to be nashville i think i should yeah. be on nashville because they're the most intriguing team right it's a new general manager. We haven't had a full year of Barry Trotz. We don't know what he's going to do. We hear him speak, and I feel like everyone, we're getting enamored easily because he's saying things that are common sense, but it's things you want to hear, right? You can, you know, train someone to be good defensively, but you have to go for the offensive skill. You have to swing big. Don't go for position. Go for skill. Like, things like that that you you know you want to hear, Um It feels like they're in an interesting position because Tommy Novak, if he's available, should be of interest to everybody. Um, Carrier is a really good defenseman. If he's available, he should be of interest to a lot of different teams. And then you have the sorrows factor. And, you know, if they're in a playoff spot, they might not move them. They could wait till the offseason. It's really no problem. So what they do, I think, might make headlines because they're having this good streak. And look who's a key part of it. UC Soros. Like, we've all all seen it before where he can go on a hot run and it changes literally everything for the Predators. So they're the headline maker because if Seattle makes headlines, it's that they're keeping players, but they're not of the UC Soros caliber. Minnesota barely has anyone to sell. And if they buy, I'm not going to be like, blown away, I'm sure, considering their track record.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. They are second wall card in the East sitting at 70 points. They do have New Jersey right behind them, the New York Islanders, the Washington Capitals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Sabres within 10 points. Um, all these teams have game in hands on Tampa, as much as four by Washington, five by Pittsburgh. Um, it's going to be tough for John Cooper and Nikita Kucherov, and despite the fact that he leads the league in scoring, and Hedman is Still one of the best at his position. Um, Are Tampa doomed to see one of those teams
2: like fly by them? I think it depends on the deadline for them. I think they need help. I I don't think they can like get through this alone right now, especially with the Sorgachev injury, despite like the fact that I don't think he had a great season to the point, you know, anyway. Um, that defense behind Victor Hedman is atrocious. And so many forwards, including Steven Stamkos are struggling so much in their own zone yeah. that I think that they have to make a big move. But they cleared out so many assets with the Tanner Genoa trade for whatever reason they felt that was the move. And I know they're a team that has that philosophy of like these draft picks won't help us now. We can move them, which is the right philosophy to have. But if you're another team and you get offered a Tampa Bay 2026 pick, You need to dive at that because what's this team going to look like in 2026? That's way more valuable than a 2024 would have been. So they have this cap space now. We know they're willing to move assets and drain, you know, the cupboards if they have to. If they can get a Noah Hannafin or a really good defenseman that can play in all situations, right? They don't need someone that's like, oh, my God, amazing in one department, just a good all-around player, which I feel like that Hannafin is. If they can get a Sean Walker, which I think would be the perfect fit for them, I think they're still in it. Because everyone around them is such, like, they all have their own flaws and all have work to do, too, and you don't know if they're going to do it. Quickly, Duffer, the Tampa yeah. Bay
3: Lightning have sixth, seventh-round pick in the next three years. They can trade a bunch of seventh-rounders, but they don't have a first, <laughs> don't have a second, don't have a fourth, don't have a uh, a first the year after. So, yeah, they uh, they got a bunch of 7th rounder, but they don't have the good ones. <laughs>
0: Well, I won't expect them to make an offer sheet to anybody in the near future then either, (laughs) based on not having the compensation. What do you make of Buffalo and their lower scoring games, their consistent goaltending, you know, of all the teams that are right behind Tampa, the Sabres have the best record over the last 10 games. But the problem is is there's only two 10 game segments remaining and they're not going at a pace high enough uh, to perhaps close that gap. But, you know, what? what's your latest way of thinking on what the Sabres should do a week from today?
2: Well, they have something that they didn't have before, right? They have really consistent goaltending. You look at the month of February, Uko Pekalukin leads the league in goals saved above expected. It's him, Bobrovsky, and Shesterkin. When you start, you know, going into their workloads, Shesterkin's had the toughest workload in terms of shots and uh, quality chances against. Bobrovsky's had that middle of uh, the the easiest. And Uko Pekeluken is right in the middle of the road, which is, I think, pretty encouraging when we think of what the Sabres defense looked like last year. Mm-hmm. The key for them is showing that they have a little bit more offense. And I think seeing the Tage Thompson goal last night was a nice glimpse of, like, what we know he can be because he's not capitalizing on all the chances this year. He's not shooting the puck at the same rate. Um, I look at them, and I would say if there's a non-rental option that seems like a really good fit as a, as a top-nine winger, Someone who I think has to be okay, at least in his own zone, because you don't want to drag down the defense anymore, right? Mm -hmm. I think that it could be a good fit to keep them in games for the rest of this year and then have a bigger picture plan. I think a rental is the wrong move here, no matter what. But I think the fact that they're not completely out of this and the fact that they've cleaned up an area that we know has been a problem before... I'm a little bit intrigued if there's an offensive piece to add. And that's why I like a Jordan Greenway made sense. Like, right? They were such a good cycle team. Now let's add a four checker in. So now I'm saying, like, who's a good shooter? Mm-hmm. Who's a really good shooter you can add into a mix? Or a really good dual threat? Just someone to add a little bit of pop. I think they need to be a little more higher caliber than a Duclayer.
0: But- yeah. Well, okay. So we've talked about this name and it's still hard to believe for me why they would put him out there, but he seems to be on everybody's list. But like what do you think of Buchnevich in St. Louis? And, and what should be the asking price for a player who could lead the team in goals in St. Louis this year if he stays there to see the end of the
2: season? He would be an excellent fit for literally any team because he's so versatile. He's such an interesting player to me because we saw that development. I think that there are always these preconceived notions about his game, about his defense. And I think that was honestly just held against him because he's a Russian offensive playmaker. And that's how we think of those players sometimes to have those defensive woes. But he went from being like just an average defensive player to an all-around threat. He's so good shorthanded. He became such a good defensive player. He's not the biggest shooter, but he can finish his chances. And he's an outstanding playmaker. Really smart player. He knows how to speed up the game. He knows how to slow it down. He can make you know space for his line mates. He would be an ideal fit for the Sabres because he's not just a, you know, a one-off. It's one and a half years. A 30-year-old getting an extension is something they actually might be able to swing because they have so much young talent that it would, it would kind of counterbalance it versus a contender making that move. Yeah. Um, the asking price is the big question. If you're St. Louis and you're moving him, it's you accept yeah. and understand he is your only traded asset of value, right? So you're going a first round pick plus, but I think the big difference is if it's a playoff team, right? If it's, The Florida Panthers or the New York Rangers, that first round pick isn't as valuable as it would be for that middle of the road team or a team that's outside the playoff picture. So I think that first round pick would be more valuable. And I think a young player, they need young talent. They need someone who can thread the needle there. And it just feels like everyone there is just really middle of the road.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned Georgian Greenway a little earlier, and uh, he played with Thompson and Tuck yesterday. He didn't start that way, but after a shift or two, Granado saw a matchup Kucherov against Thompson. I was like, I need to put Greenway on that line. And it worked out really well. I thought he had a really, really good game, and he's played really well of late. Um, is there an, another side of Greenway that maybe we didn't know existed? Just not just a penalty killer and a defensive, responsible guy, but maybe can provide a, enough offense to to open uh, you know some eyes here.
2: Yeah, I think if he's going to provide offense, I think of what he did with that line with Jordan Greenway. I mean, I'm sorry, with Mark Spolino and Joel Eriksson in Minnesota. And that was just raise chaos in front of the net, create rebounds and really pressure a goaltender and retrieve pucks and keep cycling them into the plays. That's the kind of player he is. And I think if he can show that a little bit more in Buffalo, I don't think we've seen it enough, then I think he has that top nine offense to match everything else he brings to the lineup. Um, and you look at the Sabres offensive group right now, and that's pretty much exactly I think what they need. So if someone like Tate Thompson is in prime shooting position, and Greenway's there to jump on a rebound or get him the puck back and you know thread it to whoever needs it, I, I mean I think it just adds a little bit more dimension, and I think it's just something that's going to challenge goaltenders, and that's really all you need.
0: Are you concerned about Vegas?
2: No, they're going to no. figure it out. They're going to work no. out their cap issues. It'll be fine. Like yeah. um, the game last night was chaotic, and they weren't always the worst team um so that's good I think having Eichel back is going to be a real big difference maker for them Mm -hmm. I think everyone else is going to slot a little bit more appropriately and we've seen what they look like without Mark Stone I think that they're just going to spend big you know whoever the biggest names are going to be if it's Jake Gensel if it's anyone else they're going to be in on it because they always are and then they'll throw someone out over the summer and get rid of their cap hit to balance out the books I I think they'll be fine
0: like maybe Aiden Hill <laughs> I mean, they're a fascinating sense. team with how they've handled goalies. And like they're now, so all of a mean sudden, to are
2: goaltenders. Like
0: Hill is one and four in his last six with a four 10. And it, you know, you just, you can't help but envision what vegas might do because they've done it right
3: so pete the boar is not there to stab anybody in the back but they still (laughs) one of the best
2: best playoff storylines ever it couldn't it Uh, couldn't have been more perfect one of the best
3: meme online that picture of the sword going through flurry and the the boar on the sword it was it's pretty good oh and talking about goalies um Am I maybe dreaming that maybe Swayman will come at a little bit cheaper this summer? Uh, maybe an offer sheet would work in the in the way of uh, anybody else that want him because they're struggling in net right now a little bit in Boston. They can't keep the puck out.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, you really look at it, and I'm like, is it the goaltending, or is it the team in front of them? Those third periods, it's amazing. You just see them start playing on their heels. Like, mm-hmm. hello, you do need to play a full 60 minutes of play here. Like, you gotta play a little bit of offense in that third period. In every game, you see it. Like, if you look at their numbers, too, break down by period, the third will be like 30% ex- expected goal share. Like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. But I think, I think they know they have to keep swimming. I think it's Olmark that's gonna go, and I wonder if, like, they don't get as much back for him if they wait till the summer, which... I get it, right? Like, why would you move him now? But I feel like that that's going to be the player on the move.
0: So Boston will get Hannafin and
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching thirty seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in thirty seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. They'll, Jersey will
3: okay. get Mark Strum and Gallagher will get all Mark.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: That, a, could, that, that could be
2: something. See? That would thank be wild.
0: You. How did? It's amazing. Marty and I actually don't finish our sentences or thoughts on air that often, but. But I think we do sit there in silence going, I would have, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. So thank you, Marty. You just did that again. <laughs> and, uh, and that was the perfect conclusion to this. Uh, bring on the chaos, Shana. We'll see you next week. Thanks for having me. All right. Shana Goldman from The Athletic and various media outlets. Find her work everywhere. Sabres
1: Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close.
0: Sabres home to Vegas tomorrow. You can catch it on ESPN Plus. The Amhercs are in Belleville tonight. You can catch that on AHL TV. V is for victory, which is what happened for the Sabres last night. It's also a part of Scarves and Olives, which were two big talking points for me going into the game last night, right? I
3: hate olives. I just <laughs> Yeah, but I had a boatload of them olives. and they won. So ah, I didn't have a really, really nice ice cream bowl for dessert at this meal in Tampa last night. So that uh kept me up uh going so yes it was awesome
0: Izzy's uh scarf was very well received by uh my peers and uh, even God, looked uh, great people I didn't hear from so yeah uh imagine that spring, imagine like late spring hockey here and I'll still be rocking a scarf if we're in uh <laughs>
3: Outdoor Uh, in the plaza. See, the thing is, is people don't understand. And when you watch Florida Tampa and you say, what are all these people with like big jackets? Because you got to crank up the AC for the ice to stay. And they did a lot of renovation in Tampa. The rink was buzzing. It's gorgeous. It's it's awesome. It's a really nice building.
0: And we can't wait for the big video board in Buffalo. Who's your favorite uh, birthday today?
3: Ron Howard. I love him as a a filmmaker. And yes, he turned 70 today. So happy birthday, Ron Howard.
0: And to Kesha as well, and Justin Bieber. I wonder what he and Austin Matthews are up to tonight. We'll find out at some point. See you next week. <laughs> <Barely>. <laughs>